Director of the Program and Exposure Assessment and Human Health Effects at NYU's Department of Environmental Medicine. Methane is also a problem. It has a much higher greenhouse forcing than does CO2. Methane has a shorter lifespan, but it has a much higher climate forcing that it impacts. For more global news headlines, visit TalkMediaNews.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Pop Tavern, a neighborhood bar near the corner of North Albina and Killingsworth. Ten select taps, a full menu served till late, local people. Pop Tavern, through being cool. X-Ray FM would like listeners to know that Oregon isn't an accident. Things that make it great, like iconic scenery, wonderful farmland, and walkable cities depend on land use planning. This is the work of 1,000 Friends of Oregon, a nonprofit organization. Since 1975, 1,000 Friends has worked for a beautiful, balanced, and productive Oregon. More information at friends.org. You're listening to KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. And we now turn to Grow PDX. Grow PDX is a show focusing on horticulture, community food systems, and agriculture. Today on Grow PDX, we're going to reflect about the 2016 gardening season and talk about how to get your garden and landscape ready for winter. Our guest today is Claudia Groth, horticulture industry expert. If you have a question you want our experts to answer, call 503-233-9729 or email growpdx at xray.fm. We'd love to hear from you. Again, the number is 503-233-9729 or you can text us at uh, 971-220-5979. <laughs> and now we turn to the host of GrowPDX, Weston Miller of Oregon State University. Hi, I'm Weston Miller of OSU. To start today's show, I want you to picture a typical Portland yard in the fall. You see deciduous trees changing colors and losing their leaves, late blooming flowers like pineapple sage and chrysanthemums, and the shiny trails of slugs, a sure sign that the rains have begun. And whoa, have we gotten a lot of rain this fall. But there's still a lot you can do to get your garden ready for winter, or are you still just reminiscing about the great gardening year we've had? Well, to help us to look back on 2016 and forward to 2017 in terms of gardening and landscaping, we'd like to welcome Claudia Groth today to the show today. She's a horticulture industry expert based in Portland. Welcome, Claudia. Well, I'm glad to be here. And she joins us here in the studio of X-Ray FM. And if you have a question about anything plant-related this half hour of Grow PDX, we'd love to hear from you, 503-233-9729, or you can text us, 971-220-5979. Claudia, here we are in late October, and the 2016 gardening landscaping season is coming to a close. What are your observations from this year? Well, I think we're still seeing the impact of that uh, nightmarish year we had last year with the extended heat, the very high heat and the extended heat. I think we saw slower growth this year because plants really didn't get a chance to establish last year. They were so hot and so damaged um, or not allowed to get uh, really growing last year that I think we saw, saw that this year with some slower growth and even some plants that started to uh, leaf out this year and then died. Yeah, and especially with conifers, seeing yeah. a lot of conifers around town that are dying, and that's from not this year, but the last two summers that were really hot, um, drought conditions, um, dry soil, and those plants are just starting to flag. And so if you see 
a conifer dying in your yard or in your neighborhood, it's probably drought related. It, absolutely. I mean, every year conifers do lose some of their interior leaves, but when they're starting to brown on the tips, that's not a good sign. And Claudia, this was a kind of a cool and wet summer. What sorts of plant problems did you see as a result of the weather? Well, I think it was a cool, wet summer sometimes, but then we had those times when it was 90 degrees and then 36 hours later it was 60 degrees. Yeah. And I think the plants really got confused in some areas. We'd get those 90 degree days and, and we saw some poor pollination because of it. And uh, I'll go ahead and say as a vegetable guy, it was not a great tomato season. It was um, not. It was not a great pepper season and other things are like pineapple sage I mentioned in the intro, it's just blooming now. Right, in, at the end of October. At the end of October, and usually that it would be about six weeks earlier, um, so it really needs the heat units, which just didn't happen this exactly. year. Exactly, those 60-degree nights, even though we had those hot days, we had those 60-degree nights. And I think that confused gardeners in terms of watering. You know, you'd see, oh, 90 degrees, better start watering. And then all of a sudden, it was 60 for a few days, and then you were overwatering. So I think it was really hard hard this year to get that balance right. Um, a lot of people have timers, and I think timers didn't work this year because it was so unusual a season. So, And Claudia, you work at Portland, Portland Nursery, excuse me, and you make lots of recommendations for people with gardening questions. Yeah. What sort of recommendations did you make this year with reference to the weather? Well, we really were watching the watering yeah. where people like to put in plants whenever they want to put in plants and those plants are available but when it's 90 degrees it's just not a good time and so we really were counseling people on watering and how to make sure that those plants that they're putting in whether it's hot whether it's cold whether it's raining um, are getting the right watering and so that I think watering was probably the most uh, thing that we were looking at. Okay, Claudia, I'm thinking about the near-biblical plague of the little white flies that we had last year, right. uh, but I've seen nary a few this year. What happened to this pest? Well, as we talked about last year, I mean, people were so panicked about that, I don't think they heard the good news, which was that along with the white fly came a parasite, and that parasite was extremely effective in controlling this. In California, a number of years ago, quite a number of years ago, when the white flies hit down there, they were almost wiped out quickly by this parasite. So when it came up here, the parasite, a little tiny parasitic wasp came with it. And I think that's what happened. And that's why we're not seeing it. That's good news. And then also thinking about a similar um, new pest, the brown marmorated stink bug. I've also heard that the parasite, parasitic wasp of that pest has also arrived in the area. Yes, and that's an egg parasite. So it goes after those little egg cases so, uh, that they are all over the place. So I think we'll see a down, well, hopefully we'll see a downturn in those stink bugs. I've often wondered, the first year we had those marmorated stink bugs, my yard was inundated with them. And I counted how many I caught every day, and about 350 a day Whoa. for weeks. And so now I don't see any. I wonder if, because I had that huge influx that first year, whether that little parasite 
kind of build up in my yard, maybe be- before it did in other places. So it's maybe good, that's why. It's a good question. And I, I really haven't seen many BMSBs this year. <laughs> and the great news is that they really do cause a lot of damage to a lot of different kinds of plants. And then they also get into people's homes and yeah. then they smell when you crush them. And I want folks to picture a very, very small wasp laying its egg inside of the eggs of the brown marmorated stink bug. And then that they lar- the larva emerges and then they kill the, the stink bug egg. So really cool, small, intricate nature happening right there under our noses. It is. And it, it does bring out the fact that we do have these beneficial wasps, these little beneficial guys going around and how... Uh, they can, how small they are, I mean, that's pretty small, Um, and how we kind of have to protect them. And if we can not do a lot of general spraying, but only spraying targeted areas, it will protect those, and then we will have them available to do the work for us. That's a good point. Claudia, is this the new normal with new pests and diseases coming each year? What's the impact for gardeners? I think that more uh, than it than them coming for some bizarre reason. Um, we see them from the movement of people. When people people are bringing these in when they move from other places to the Pacific Northwest, when they come from California, the movement of, um, of nursery stock from other places to here, I think that's mainly what we're doing. I mean, we even get snails from Italy. They come in with the movement of... of uh, tile so we're the just the movement and the globalization of our lives i think is affecting this more than almost anything so i think we'll we'll have we'll have more but as we've seen it comes and it goes they do come and go and they're cyclical but new things seem to be coming all the time the japanese beetle is scary this year the the crazy snake worm yeah Another new pest. Yeah. For uh, anybody who doesn't know about the crazy snake worm, go on YouTube and look it up. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy. It's crazy than snake worm. You're listening to Grow PDX on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Weston Miller. We're talking with Claudia Groth, horticulture industry expert. And now, Claudia, let's focus on how folks can get their garden and landscape ready for winter. First of all, is there anything that can still be planted well, sure. We've got, um, in for the ornamental people, we've got the tulips and the crocus and the daffodils. Uh, you know, those are all, this is the time to plant. So these them. are all bulbs. You can get them at any garden store or, or big box store. Or be, yeah, they're they're yeah. available, easy to plant. Uh, give us some recommendations on how to plant bulbs. Well, you want to basically plant them right side up. <laughs> and they will show you on the package which way that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even if you don't plant it right, nature will take care of it and get it up there um so it would be good to plant them in a place that it has good drainage mm-hmm. um that's that's important i think more we lose more bulbs due to rotting than we would uh to freezing so um and don't be afraid to put them in uh into containers too um you can put them into containers protect that container and then when they bloom bring that container into the house up onto the deck wherever you can see it so i think um you need to leave them once let's go till next spring make sure to leave them so the leaves um are have a chance to die down right because that's what feeds the bulb for next year right and bulbs are really easy to grow and when people plant them uh they the package should show you how deep to plant them and then they also are going to like a little bit of fertilizer as well so plant them with some bone meal or other phosphorus rich fertilizer to get the roots established and then they'll do a little bit better next season 
Right, because you want them to. Well, what are you planting anything in your yard, Weston? Well, sadly, no, not in my own yard. But I would say for those vegetable gardeners out there, it's still time to plant garlic. Uh, so you yep. can get some of that at local nurseries. Don't buy it at the grocery store. Buy <gasps> garlic from uh, a reputable nursery. Ideally, it would be a disease resistant or yes. disease free uh, stock. Mm-hmm. And then with planting garlic, it would be similar to those bulbs where planting it to the right depth, maybe two or three inches, adding some fertilizer now, and then weeding next next spring. is Weeding really does seem to be key with garlic, doesn't it? But we could also plant greens, too. That's um, true. For, for uh, yeah. So right now, if folks want to plant greens, you could try mache, you could try arugula, mustard greens, and they're all those things will do better if you give them a little cover. So in right. some sort of... Um, hoop house or row cover fabric, something like right. that. Right. Claudia, speaking of weeds, I've noticed <laughs> a lot of weeds growing well, like weeds. Um, how to deal with them in the winter? Well, I think smothering them is a great idea. Um, you know, you can do that. It, it depends where it is. If, if you're in your vegetable plot, if you put out, um, you know, some hay or some straw, uh, you can put out um, cardboard. And, s- and if you're doing a new area, you can put the coffee sacks if you have access to those. Uh, even a, a deep layer of mulch, which will break down and give you organic matter next year. So that kind of um, area or that kind of thing for those areas. I think around um, in your ornamental areas, most of the weeds that are coming up are annuals and they won't come back. So if you uh, hit them with one of the burn down products that we have, you know, come different kind of uh, clove oil. Clove oil and or like acetic acid yeah. or yeah, lots yeah, of things. Yeah, vinegars and things like that. That will that kills what's there and, and it, it just doesn't come back because it's an annual weed. Even boiling water in your um, the cracks of your sidewalk is a way to get rid of those really quickly. So. Yeah, and with all those uh, winter annual weeds, I'd say scratch them out and cover them with mulch. Ex- really yeah, easy way to yeah. deal with them as well. Yeah, but do deal with them because they do seed. Yeah, and then I'm thinking about the cardamine, which has the exploding seed pods <laughs> and just gets everywhere. Yeah. Claudia, how about some general cleanup strategies uh, what do you recommend? I think sanitation is the most critical thing we have to think of. Um, if what does that mean with reference to a garden? Yes. If you had if you had um, a black spot on your roses, get those leaves out of there. Um, cut, pull all the leaves off your roses and get them out of there because the spores are on there. Same thing with fruit trees. Take the leaves. If you had scab, if you had any kind of fungus on the leaves, rake those leaves out from under the tree. Don't leave those apples and the dead I'm thinking about the the Asian pears and the apples at my house that had coddling moth. And there are pupa sitting there waiting for next year. But I'm going to ditch them in my green rolly bin and hopefully help break that exactly cycle. and that that's the kind of uh, of sanitation also um for slugs you mentioned those earlier you know they'll be under anything that you leave out in the garden the pots the saucers garden art anything out there so cleaning that up boards that you maybe walked on or something like that you know get that out of there and anything that could have standing water because i think those mosquitoes are year round yeah if we, unless we get a really cold winter yeah. that might be the yeah, case yeah so look at those kind of things when i say sanitation all kinds of ways just general cleanup um so you know you can bring your containers closer to the house so that they're not they might not freeze uh and throw some frost blanket over them if they do freeze 
Yeah, so good point. Uh, we would encourage folks to pay attention to the weather. Yeah. And if you have, like for me, I have two Meyer lemon trees on my front patio and I pay attention when I know it's going to get cold. I bring them into the garage or mm-hmm. put them under a plant blanket so that they're not going to get killed. Yeah, and those frost blankets are very available. Um, I know if it, you can you can just use a blanket from the house if you if you want to, um, you know, to just kind of cuddle them up if, it, if we do start to get into those 20s. Claudia, what should people do with their garden tools to get them ready for next season? Well, first find them. I leave mine out (laughs) in the yard uh, sometimes. And so find them, bring them in. This is a great time to have them sharpened so they'll be ready for next year. The garden stores and the sharpeners who do this, you know, their business is going down. We should support them. So, you know, give them a little business now and they can um, and then you'll be ready to go. Um, They should be stored and dry, not not, uh, you know, so they're not rusting. Um, You know, make a tool wall, hang them up on the on the tool wall. And uh, and my one of my favorite things is the bucket of sand and oil and uh, you just put a little kind of motor oil in that sand in that bucket and as you you can store your shovels and your spades in there it kind of cleans off the that roughness of the sand kind of cleans any dirt off and that oil kind of keeps a nice cover on it so it doesn't a rust. So that's that's kind of one. That's know. all great advice. And I would add for those do-it-yourselfers out there, a sturdy wire brush does wonders oh. to clean rust off of shovels. If, like me, you left them outside and they happen to get a little bit rusty. And then putting some oil, like even vegetable oil, mm-hmm. on the handles of the tools will help to keep them from splintering a little bit for the next season. And that, and that technique of a garbage can filled with sand and a little oil does really work nicely. Hey, we've got a question via text. I have a couple of fruit trees in pots. Should I plant them now? That's a real good question. So for fruit trees that have been um, growing in pots for the whole season, right now they're going to be moving towards dormancy. And I think you could go ahead and wait until late February or so and plant them at that time. Um, I suppose it would they would be fine if you planted them now, but typically what I would do is wait until the tree is totally dormant in February. And then since it was growing in a pot, it's likely going to have circling roots because it's been there a little bit too long. So I'd go ahead and just strip all of the potting soil off of the roots when it's dormant, um, cut off any roots that might be circling or shaped funny, and then you could go ahead and plant that in February. And thank you so much for call, uh, texting in. We really appreciate the feedback from you, our audience. You're listening to Grow PDX here on X-Ray FM. We're joined by Claudia Groff. I'm Weston Miller. We'll be back in a minute. X-Ray FM would like listeners to know that Old McDonald's Farm Incorporated is a nonprofit organization that uses animals and agriculture to teach and reach Portland-area children. Information on day visit programs, summer programs, and Saturday Academy workshops is available at www.oldmcdonaldsfarm.org. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Nursery. For over 100 years, Portland Nursery has provided Portland residents with a wide selection of healthy plants and expert gardening advice community-oriented and family-owned. Portland Nursery, a passion for plants, a nursery for plant people. 
located on 50th and Stark and on 90th and Division. Welcome back to Grow PDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller. Here is a public service announcement. Do you love gardening and want to share your passion with others? Well, the OSU Master Gardener Program trains volunteers to serve as community-based educators to provide research-based information about horticulture to the community. You've probably seen Master Gardener volunteers at farmer's markets and other community events. Join others with a passion for plants and become a Master Gardener in 2017. The season-long training and volunteer program starts in February. It's a hybrid learning opportunity, includes lecture-style classes, online content, and hands-on workshop. Check out OSU's offerings at metromastergardeners.org. That's metromastergardeners.org. Listen in, or registration for the 2017 Master Gardener season opens in November. And Claudia, you're a Master Gardener volunteer. You've been with us for a year or two. Tell us about your experience. Well, it is more than a year or two. It's been, I think, 27 years now. And I will tell you, I, I, knew, I, I learned uh, about Master Gardeners uh, when I came here many years ago and got to know them because I was in that business. And what I really liked about uh, and drew me to the Master Gardeners what are the master gardeners? You know, these were folks who really were dedicated to educating the uh, the public, who were uh, interested in lots of different types of gardening, things I didn't know about, and I could learn from them. Um, and and everybody didn't have the same ideas about things, and and they could teach me different things. And so, um, even though I was, I had my degree in gardening. Um, I learned so much from the Master Gardeners, and that's really what's kept me going for 27 years, is being able to teach and uh, and learn from Master Gardeners. It's a learning community, and that's it the is. whole idea, that gardening is a lifelong is. learning process, right. and if we are um, humble, we can accept the lessons <laughs> we get from, from our gardens, but also from other folks, and the Master Gardener program is a good way for people to connect with other people who like plants. We're kind of peculiar, and yeah. um, you'll be among friends, and then if you like educating, if you want to share your information out in the community, the Master Gardener Program is a great way to do that. And there's so many new gardeners coming in, young people that are just getting their first houses, gardening with their kids. So it, it's such a diverse community, in, as well as diversely interested in gardening. Um, it's also such a diverse community from the young people, um, uh, the kids. Uh, we have lots of programs that deal with children in the Master Gardener Program. Um, from you know ornamental gardening, irises and peonies to fruit trees. So it's it's really such a diverse community of people and of gardening. And I'd say we also have a lot of folks plugging in with Oregon Food Banks, Seed to Supper, oh. and Let Us Grow program, teaching gardening in prisons and so on. So if you have a passion for plants and you want to share your knowledge, it's a great place to start. We'd love to see you come February. Now, Claudia, fall and winter are here, and it's a great time for folks to start planning for next year. What should people be thinking about in terms of planning their gardens and landscapes? Well, while they're sitting by the fire, um, they should be thinking about what worked and what didn't. Um, did I plant those tomatoes in, in enough sun? Um, I planted beans in the same place for two years, and it's the wrong place. It just doesn't get enough sun. So, you know, now what worked and what didn't? Which plants worked and what didn't? Which watering system worked and what didn't? I thought I could water my one area of my plants uh, of my landscape hand watering. No, I need a soaker. I just right. didn't get out there early enough. So. 
I think that's the kind of thing. What worked? What didn't? What do I want to happen next year? So I think that's considering this year is the way to plan for next year. And now would be a good time to reflect on this year while you can still remember it. And then even better for next year, get yourself a gardening journal or just another way to write stuff down on a week-by-week basis so that you can record your observations and, and be better able to remember and then use that for planning in the future. Yes. Claudia, what are some of the best sources of information to research plants? Well, one of the ones that I like is the OSU Landscape Plants database. And you could Google OSU Landscape Plants and you'll get connected with this. There's one, there's a, a, a cell phone version now that's very easy to use. And this will give you information about what it looks like in the spring, what it looks like in the summer, what the flowers look like, uh, and then information on how to grow the plant. So I think that's a great place uh, to start. There's also an ID uh, part to that. So you can say, gee, this plant has, you know, blue leaves and it has a pink flower and what the heck is it? And so um, so that I think that's a one place to start. Um, of course, the Western Garden book is great. Um, the Master Gardeners, you can always, you know, look at the Master talk to the master gardeners. That's right. We've got folks standing by. So you can look up metromastergardeners.org. And we have three telephone helplines. And we've got people willing and able to answer your gardening questions right now as we speak. <laughs> there we go. I think for vegetable gardeners, for the experienced vegetable garden gardeners, Steve Solomon's Growing Vegetables West of the Cascade is the absolute Bible for that. But there, for what people getting started, I really like Seattle Tilth's Maritime Gardening, um, it, gardening maritime, maritime Gardening Guide. Gardening That's guide, a good right. one. Yeah, yeah like it's it. just, it's about the size of a magazine and it's it's got garden calendars in it, what to do when, and I think that's a really uh, a good place for beginners to start. What are some new landscape plants that people might consider planting next year? Well, I'm, I'm hot on conifers. I love some of the new conifers. They're blues and they're greens, they're gold tips and they change colors in the winter. Um, So I think they're a really uh, great thing to include in your garden because they're there all winter. You know, they can be your main stakes in the winter when everything else has died back. Uh, And then I'm a huge fan of blueberries. You know, there's evergreen blueberries, there's reblooming blueberries, there's Blueberries are fabulous, so I think everyone. And they're plant they're them. gorgeous too. Right about now, <laughs> they're the leaves of blueberries generally are nice and yeah. colorful, and then of course the fruit is edible and super good. And right. um, I have about let's call it eight blueberries, and we don't even get one inside. <laughs> they all get ravaged off of the bushes by my little kids. Well, and also, um, and I I bet you have a little more property than I do. Yours are larger, but I use I have the smaller ones. So for the urban gardener who has lots of room or not so much room, you can get a blueberry to uh, to fit for you. Claudia, you, you mentioned slugs already. You're an expert in slugs. What are the bottom, what's the bottom line in terms of managing them? I think you have to reduce their hiding places. Once again, when I talked about sanitation, I think you need to bait. This is a time of year where they're, um, they're laying eggs, they're starting to, they're mating, we're kind of the end of the mating season. Um, so baiting, whether you use beer traps or board traps, I mean, just put some ground up lettuce underneath a board and boy, they'll run from all over the yard there. And then you just scrape them in a plastic bag and out they go. Okay, so put them in a plastic bag and put them in the trash. Yes. Okay, so at the landfill, they'll be great at breaking stuff down. Yeah, right. 
They'll be they'll be terrific. Also, other thing I do is um, because you know how, what a tender heart I have for the slugs, I will put slugs sometimes into the yard debris where they will be very very happy, uh, yumming up my yard debris until they go to the composting and, and then they'll facility. get hot, <laughs> composted. And I like a little bit more immediate results with my slug care. So I'm a, a fan of the the pruners or the scissors yes. Um, yes. as a good way just to um, end that problem right yeah. there and then. Yeah, and the baits, um, we do have environmentally friendly baits out there that people should consider as well for whatever circumstances. So lots of different ways depending on where you're treating them and what you want to do with them. Looking forward to 2017. We're expecting a lot of rain this winter. How do you think that's going to impact pests and diseases for the next growing season? It's always hard to tell. Um, I think we need to be really careful with our, our watering um, that 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 we don't let water sit in places, that we look around in our yards and see where those places are because not all of our plants can survive that uh, sogginess over the winter. Right, so poor drainage is a problem for plants in our area. So if you're gonna be installing plants, think about good drainage, improving soil drainage by adding compost or mounding the area a little bit. Right, mounding. I think that's something people don't think about as much. It just needs to be a couple inches, you know, to plant it. I mean, you can build a nice berm and have a like show place with this nice berm, but even if it's only a few inches, that really does help. So I think we're gonna have plenty of water this winter. but we're also, some of that may come in terms of snow. So That would be great. Uh, that would be great, but it also means we'd have to protect plants a little bit more, um, you know, f- with the frost blanket or bringing them inside if our temperatures go down. Claudia, what do you like most about fall-winter landscapes? I think I like cleaning them up because then everything looks neat again. Stuff isn't falling over into the pathways. You've cleaned everything up, and you it's just kind of, a fresh start. How do you see it? Well, I see it as it, it's the really the rare, the only time when the grass isn't growing and it doesn't need to be mowed and the weeds aren't growing as actively. So there's less work to do is there really you go. my thing. There you go. That's Claudia Groth. She's a horticulture industry expert here in Portland. Thanks so much for joining us, Claudia. You bet. And that's been Grow PDX on X-Ray FM for this week. Next week, we'll be talking